Hey everyone, very excited to unleash this supersized, nearly two-hour journey into the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion. Before we get to that, I just want to make an announcement that I am going to be offering my next live intuitive reading. This time, I'm going to be welcoming Jerry Manthe of Survivor fame into the space, and she's going to be bringing in a question specifically about romantic relationships and understanding the underlying pattern of her romantic relationships. So I'm going to be doing this just like last time. If you are interested in this, definitely send me an email. Let me know. And then that way I'll I'll send you information about registration. It's going to be donation based anywhere from five to twenty five dollars. It's going to go to charity. And as I've explained before, this is a really great opportunity to be in the energy of what I call the work. So If you are someone who listens to these podcast episodes and they take you somewhere and they cause you to reflect on your own lives or you get your own hits or downloads from listening to them and you want more of that, um, these live readings are a real chance and opportunity to kind of be in the ether of that type of thing. And if you're someone who in particular is drawn to themes and issues surrounding romantic relationship then this might be the space for you to learn a little bit more about that for yourself. I know I heard from a lot of people that Orissa's reading truly did end up taking them to places inside themselves and getting closure and completion on unresolved experiences in their own lives. So there really is an opportunity here to use this reading as a catalyst for your own journey and your own inner work. And you will additionally have the chance to ask me questions live based on anything that came up for you during the process of the reading. So the door is open. Like before, I'm going to keep space somewhat limited. So if you're feeling a ping or you're feeling curious, head over to my website, hollywoodreadings.com and let me know. Oh, and the details, it's going to be on Sunday, June 19th, 5 p.m. Pacific. All right, everyone. Hope you're doing well and I will see you on the flip side. Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. We're going to see how this goes today. I don't know about everyone listening to this, but this combination of the blood lunar eclipse new moon whatever it all is plus mercury in retrograde it has got me doing circles energetic circles in my life it has been a long week it has been a long day it's friday evening i'm exhausted but i'm here and i'm ready to talk about some housewives (laughs) We're going to get into Housewives of New Jersey today. Um, I will say up top, and I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit in a moment. I've been resistant to go back into Jersey. I did one episode previously where we got into Marge and Jen and that whole conflict. 
but I've been hesitant to do more because I knew that it would mean getting into Teresa. And I've had reasons for not wanting to get into Teresa. But like I said, (laughs) we'll get into that in a second. But I have a great (laughs) co-pilot here with me to help navigate these dense waters. A lot of you probably already know her. Um, She is the woman behind both the podcast and the Instagram account. She speaks Bravo, Emily Hanks. Welcome to the deep dive, Emily. Thank you so much. I love being called a co-pilot. Oh, you are my co I feel very important (laughs) that way. You're my life raft right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I absolutely can't, I can't help but die laughing at the thought of being afraid to dive into Teresa. I get that. Well, I understand. Because I guess if I'm just going to jump right into it, you know, the truth of the matter is, as everyone knows, right, Teresa is, to be kind about it, not the most emotionally intelligent woman, right? So she's kind of a roadblock in the middle of the cast and which is fine. I'm fine with it. I know because I get messages from people and I see what's being written on social media. I know it's deeply triggering to a lot of people and people. I mean, I literally, I posted to my stories today. I was just like, you know, you guys, I'm I'm doing a podcast up about New Jersey. What do you want to hear about? Which first of all, I just want to say, inundated with so the people want their new jersey content i I hear you loud and clear and i apologize in advance because i we're not even going to get into 70 percent of everything you guys want to hear about (laughs) but there were a lot of messages basically to the effect of what the fuck is wrong with Teresa and why is she the worst person in the world yeah and i think for me it's for me personally i just don't find it that interesting you know i just sort of feel like yeah she it's just sort of like all roads end at the the like brick wall of Teresa, she's the star of the show. She's not going anywhere anytime soon. So it's like we can talk ourselves in circles around the whys and the wherefores. But at the end of the day, it almost just feels it, it's almost like I feel the way the energy doesn't move in the cast. And I get scared the energy isn't going to move in this conversation. And I feel exhausted before we even start. And I think because I'm not personally angered by it. I'm just more kind of like, <laughs> do we really have to go there? Exactly. That is exactly how I feel about it. Like, I could dive into it, but I'm like, there's almost no point. Like you said, she's not going anywhere. She's coming back. She's going to do the exact same thing over and over again. Although Andy did look, I think this was the first time Andy almost looked scared. He really was like, so you've really learned nothing. <laughs> like, you went to prison for your last guy like you're not gonna get a prenup mm-hmm. this guy just said he lost his job too so we really need to be concerned here like he i could tell this was a this was one time andy was like this isn't the same old he's been through so much with Teresa. remember when Teresa was going to leave for prison and they had that moment where he like held her hand mm-hmm. and was like that she's like this may be the last time we we do this and he like almost cried he like had tears in his eyes like he really loves Teresa so Mm -hmm. he I felt like he really was like heartbroken that she couldn't realize that maybe people were concerned and then was like almost like defeated like wow well you're really not gonna get it I mean and I also want to say too as uninterested as I am in Teresa's emotional limitations I actually did really come around to her on the ultimate girls trip 
and found her. I, I mean, I really came around to her and I really felt her vulnerability. I loved the way that she walked her relationship with Melissa during that show. And I found myself actually really rooting for her. And even though I haven't ever necessarily believed, you know, Louis is the Prince Charming of all Prince Charmings, hoping that at the very least he would be on his best behavior, knowing that he needs to be. And I'm also someone, and I don't, I mean, I obviously I follow your content and I often comment on it. I don't know where you stand on each and every person at all times, but you know, I'm someone, I, I'm definitely a lot more skeptical and wary of Margaret than most people. And, and, and I want to say, I actually think Teresa's not completely wrong about some of the things she's saying. It's just that she's got no capacity for emotional nuance, complexity, or like getting into the trenches, the details. So she loses the plot and she becomes her own worst enemy and she makes herself look like a complete fool. But there are definite grains and seeds of truth in what she's saying about Margaret and what she's picking up on in terms of the energy that Margaret is bringing her. So it's been, I guess it's, I guess I'm contradicting myself because I guess there's been a little bit of complexity for me this season in that there is this part of me at this point that is rooting for Teresa in a way and I, I feel her in a way and I also feel the frustration of what it means to have to deal with Teresa at the same time and that it all never goes anywhere. Yep. I think that she lacks the ability to communicate effectively because Marge never takes accountability. We're like when they brought up um, the, the therapy comment, when when Marge oh, said yeah. a bit about kids can get therapy, she didn't once say, you know what, that was a bad thing to say. I shouldn't have said it. She just really talked her way around it. She won't ever like settle into an apology. She won't ever take any ownership. And it's frustrating because she sort of she sort of really feels above it all exactly. at all times. I love that Andy got really fr- like when Andy got really mad that we saw in the trailer, it was mainly at Margaret. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was at Teresa, but we expect that. But Margaret was pissing him off, too. Mm-hmm. She was just as insufferable and just as stubborn and just as one track minded as Teresa. Oh, yeah. Oh. Kendrick Kendrick called Margaret Kendrick over from Reality Comics 2 called Margaret a Teresa variant for sure and I think that's been a lot of her issue with her you know I mean I think from the beginning that um I don't think Margaret's used to playing second fiddle and I think Ooh. you know given that I think a lot of what we're seeing on the season of the show actually really is about the fact that Teresa is the star of the show and sort of watching the rest of the cast have to navigate that. I think for Margaret, she knew from the beginning which side her bread was buttered. If she wanted to have longevity on the show and to be a star, right, that she was going to have to be on Teresa's good side. So from the beginning, we saw her buying the wreath of flowers for Teresa's mom. We saw her throwing Siggy under the bus from the very beginning. I mean, I talked about this last time, but Siggy was Margaret's... In. Yeah, into the show. She's the one who invited her on that first trip to Boca. And so I've talked about this before, but whether or not Siggy was acting crazy about the cake, which she was, for Margaret to step in there and immediately start making... Like, not just trying to talk to her, make her see another side of it, but actively making fun of her, calling her names, 
Margaret knows how to play this game. And so I think that there's always been a sense for her. I've always felt the undercurrent of this is a woman who's not used to playing second fiddle. She's known she has to kind of play second fiddle to Teresa. I think there's been a rage around that. And then I think that rage has just gotten, it's just deepened in the place where Teresa, because people want Teresa. I see this with Melissa too. It's like they want her to see what they do for they want her to see how they compromise their boundaries they tiptoe around her they do everything under the sun to try to accommodate her but again you know at the end of the day Teresa's not going to really see it and she's not going to get it and so I think yeah when Margaret comports herself in a way that she's not used to comporting herself and then on top of that Teresa's not like kind of kissing the ring in even kind of an unseen way. It's even more infuriating. And I think a lot of the rage that we're seeing from Margaret towards Teresa this season is like, I finally get to fucking have my say. Like, I finally get to look at you and say, fuck off, fuck you. And I do feel this kind of uh, flavor from Margaret of like with the whole Louis thing. It's your turn. Like, it's your Uh turn. You've gotten away with so much. It's your fucking turn. Exactly. The Danielle of it all was Marge's biggest thing because Danielle came on the show and came back and Marge took Danielle on as her bestie and that just crashed and burned. And Marge was like, Teresa, I need your loyalty to be with me. She really thought she could play that power card. Teresa was like, I'm not going to do that. It drove Marge insane. And then the hair pull, the ultimate betrayal, the ultimate embarrassment. Like Marge will never forgive that, clearly. Because Teresa may have apologized, but Marge will never, ever, ever let it go. She has not got her revenge. I would have more respect for Marge if she could admit, like, listen, this is revenge for that hair pull. And, yeah, I agree with you. And to your point, but she pretended to forgive Teresa for that. Like, that's the bind that Marge has been in this whole time. Like, if it were anyone else... She would never be forgiving them for that. But she knew and you could see it. I mean, it made no (laughs) sense the way that she glossed it over and was like, well, okay, Teresa, it's fine. I forgive you. It's Marge has had to she's had to be willing to make allowances that she normally otherwise wouldn't make. And I also think to your point with Danielle, back when that was happening. The rage I felt around that, again, it was another place where Margaret felt like her good intentions weren't being seen and heard. And so I think, you know, when you go back yes. to her her relationship with her mom and just this notion of like, I try to be good, I try to be good, and you don't see it, you don't see it, you don't see it, you don't reciprocate it. So I think she was already so incensed about that. And then, yeah, to your point, then when Teresa doesn't even have her back and Margaret has been given her her good intentions. It was just like this double whammy of like, why oh, yeah. don't you people fucking see me? And now you're going to pay the price. And March really contradicted herself. Like the finale, when she's saying, she's like, I was right about Siggy. I was right about Danielle and I'll be right about this guy. And then she's flipping the script in the reunion. Cause Louie comes out and gives a great performance or whatever he does, you know, he explains it better, explains all the stories and just is much more relatable and believable now Marge is like, yes, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to clear your name. I just wanted to. That's all. I, I was helping you. This was for you, Louie. I'm like, what? Yeah, no, it's no. so disingenuous. And this is where Margaret always loses me. Look, it is clear Margaret's been playing the housewives game this season, which is fine. Like she's yes. she's doing her job. She's bringing stuff out. But to your point, the way that she couches this stuff as if she's 
taking some high road or she's got good intentions. This housewives trope of I'm bringing stuff up on camera so that you have the opportunity to shut it down, which I think was originated by LVP back LVP! in s- season yes! four with the Mauricio rumors. It- it's the audacity of that. You've got some fucking nerve to try to pretend that bringing something up on camera is actually a favor for the person so they can shut it down. Because you know what else would shut it down? Not bringing it up on national, not even national, international <laughs> television on camera. And, you know, you were talking earlier about Margaret never takes responsibility. There was one moment in the reunion where I just was flummoxed. I think it was when she was talking to Jen. And she said something like, uh, she was talking about, you know, bringing out the affair. And she said, I had no idea it would blow up like this. And I had no idea it would hurt your children. And I'm just sitting there like, Margaret, how can you even say this with a straight face? And that's why I'm always saying it's like she, she plays this game like no one else, and yet somehow manages to squeak by with this air of, yeah, having the moral high ground, being this mensch of a woman. I mean, I'll hand it to her. She's pulled it off because people right? love her. I love that you don't love her because I, it's it's very strange that she's such a fan favorite and people don't notice what's happening. Like, I get that Jen... When Jen first came on, like her first season, I had a hard time with Jen. She came on so strong and I was like, all right, girl, like you take it down. But she really grew on me and she lived so authentically. And mm-hmm. I love the way she called out Melissa mm-hmm. at the re like for the fake storyline and just she just nailed her to the cross for and just made fun of her for all the selfies she had to take. And I was like, OK, wait, I really like Jen now. Jen puts it all out there. She shows us everything. Granted, she's not going to bring up the affair from 10 years ago because that's 10 years ago. I'm not really someone who thinks that affairs are that crazy. They happen all the time in long term relationships. So the fact that Marge brought this up like it was some big smoking gun, I still don't see why it had to be brought out other than pure revenge for last reunion. Yeah, no, I think she wanted to hurt Jen. I think she's hurt by Jen and she wanted to hurt Jen. Absolutely. It. Yeah. And so she's trying to spin it like, you know, because you, you you run around saying you have a perfect marriage. And I'm like, I don't really know if Jen says she has a perfect marriage. By the way. Uh, OK, I, I already <laughs> did a whole episode defending Jen. So I've got to, like, keep this brief. But I cannot deal with the revisionist history that they use to scapegoat this woman. Jen. Her first season, yes, did she come in talking big, talking large? Was it annoying? Yes. And you know what? She got called out on it. And over the course of that season, her first season, it was part of her story that Bill was dismissive and treated her like a second-class citizen. And it was it was dealt with directly. They talked about it at the reunion. It was a first step in them brokering something new in their marriage. And I'm sitting there like... This, this, she has put it out there from the beginning. This marriage was <laughs> never presented as completely perfect because part of their storyline was his sort of unwillingness to really treat her as an equal partner from the beginning. Because remember, like her going on the cast trip was some huge deal. He yeah. was like, I don't like it. I don't like you going on vacation. She's like, well, I'm going. And it was a huge deal that she defied him. That's why I'm like, Marge, what are you talking about? She hasn't been like, All she did was say, and to be fair, I was really grossed out by the way Marge made a joke about how affairs are funny or whatever. I thought that was really 
tacky about how she was like, oh, you know, he had to wash the stench off me or some of us are mistresses. I don't know. She really did make I get it. She was trying to be funny. She was just being marred. She's kind of got that menchy humor. But even I was like, that was a little a little a little classless, especially since Jan's kids don't like her and already are like kind of upset. I don't know. I just felt insensitive, but that's fine. Jen really takes it to the next level because she was <laughs> going over the top at the reunion. But I'm sorry, Jen cleared March at that reunion because she said to her, you called me a concubine. Mm-hmm. You have shamed me just as much. Exactly. But Marge never owns that. Exactly. I think with Margaret, the way that she gets ahead of things and she makes those jokes, I, I feel like she doesn't claim ownership of what she does. And I think part of it is that she doesn't want to feel I don't in all these situations I don't think she wants to really feel her impact and I think part of that is because I don't think she wants to feel her impact for example of the deeper stuff like it's easier to joke about the affair and it's this and it's that than it is to feel holy shit I did something here and by the way this isn't to vilify March I'm sure that marriage had its problems and I'm, you know, her decisions came from her humanity and, you know, we make decisions that sometimes hurt other people and have an effect on other people. And I've just always gotten this sense both that there's something in Margaret. Yeah. That does not want to feel the impact of the choices that she's made on others. But part of that is because she also doesn't want to feel the impact that others actions have had on her, like AKA her mom. You know, I think that she's just, She's holding at bay a lot. And I hear this voice that kind of says, if I don't, if no one's really going to honor or acknowledge how I feel about things, I'm not honoring or acknowledging how you feel about things. Obviously, this is all on the unconscious level. But I think this is sort of why she feels so justified to go out there and to be vicious. And Oh, that's good. I like that. So, yeah, I think, though, just to bring this back round to... Teresa and Louie, you know, a lot of people sort of asked just about Teresa's rage towards Margaret. And I think everything that we're speaking to in some way ties into the rage where uh, there's a couple things here. One, I feel like at this point, oh God, sorry, I'm having an empathic moment. I'm feeling something. I, 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 I really feel like when I kind of feel into Teresa's relationship to the show at this point, it really, to me, feels kind of like a, a prison. You know, it feels like it's something that she, I think if she really could, she'd walk away from it. I think it's taken so much from her. I think it feels kind of like a machine she's trapped in because she's got to like, she's got to keep this machine going. She's got to pay the bills. She's got to support her daughter. She's doing it all on her own. And on one level, it's like, okay, great. I've got this show in this means to do it. But I think there's a part of her, I just always feel like there's a part of this woman, like she just wants to be the wife and the mom. And I think she's devastated and enraged by what this has taken from her. And it just feels like this albatross around her neck. So I think there's sort of one piece of it there, which is like her sort of resistance or her hesitancy or her resentment of the show. And then I think with Louis, I can feel how this guy to her really does feel like her Prince Charming. It's just like when I kind of feel into it, it's like he's my out. He's the one that's going to take care of me. And I think, and this is where I start to cultivate more compassion for Teresa. Like I really do feel like fundamentally, oh, it makes me sad even to say it. Like I I feel like she doesn't feel like she truly deserves love. 
you know, oh, yeah. and I feel like, you know, even when we think about that relationship with Joe Judice, um, you know, I just always go back to that, you know, that early season where he took that call. He was calling her a cunt in the vineyard. Everyone knew something was up. And what does Teresa do? She goes running and starts having sex with him in the vineyard. I mean, it says so much about her mindset and her sense of worthiness and her um, feeling of entitlement to demand like a certain basic respect. I mean, this is a woman who to me just on some fundamental level doesn't really feel like she deserves a man's warm and conditional love. So I say all this because when I, you know, a lot of people are asking about this relationship. And so for me, it's kind of like when I drop into Teresa towards Louis, there's definitely a flavor of like, like I said, this is my Prince Charming. This is my out. This is this is the thing that's going to save me. And then feeling like, holy shit, the show is going to fuck this up. You know, it's like the show is going to fuck this up. Like this is going to be another thing the show takes for me. And it's like this clenching fist of like, I got to go into this show. I need it. I won't let this show take him from me. It almost feels like, you know what the show feels like to me, metaphorically, her STD she hasn't told him about yet. It's like, oh my God, I found <laughs> this guy that I love so much. I want this to work out. I need this to work out. Holy shit. Oh, that's what I mean. It, it's something I'm ashamed of. Like it's mm-hmm. something that's bad about me. It's something that's going to turn him away. And I've got to manage and control the show at all costs. So it doesn't drive him away. So I think when Margaret comes in, and she's doing the show thing. Yeah. I just think for Teresa, I think, first of all, she interprets it as the deepest betrayal. Yep. Because I think Louis in that love represents a vulnerability in her that is so hard for her to tolerate. And so even though Margaret, I don't think, knows this, I think the way that Teresa is experiencing this is like you are attacking something that is so precious, vulnerable, and valuable to me. It's almost like going after the kids. It's like you're going so fucking low. And I think that, um, yeah, I just think in seeing Marge's machinations, it becomes almost the target of her unexpressed rage over just the whole situation she's in. The powerlessness of being kind of handcuffed to the show And the fact that it might take something else away from her that she cares so much about. Do you get the sense that Louis is interested in being on the show? I don't know. It would be interesting to drop into Louis towards the show. Maybe I'll do that in a second. There's one thing I'll say about Louis up top. Because a lot of people, you know, they ask about Louis. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And, um... They kind of want to know, you know, what's his deal? And there's a lot of comparisons to Brooks. To me, Louis feels different than Brooks. And I think there's a fundamental difference between them, which is I I experience Louis as someone who wants to be a good person. Like, I, mm-hmm. I really feel like Louis. I agree. Yeah, he wants to be a good person. When he first came on the scene at the beginning of the season, I just kept hearing the voice like, I want to be a good boy. I want to be good. 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 I think he's at odds with certain aspects of himself. It clearly... Clearly to me, anyway, he's got, you know, he's got currents of energy that 
are likely usually repressed and then come out in volatile, volatile ways. But I think Louis wants to be good. So he feels like a guy who's in inner conflict, whereas Brooks to me never felt like he cared about being good. Brooks just felt like... totally makes sense. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah, he just felt he was out for himself. Brooks Brooks wanted to be a con artist. Brooks liked that lifestyle. He has no intention of changing as where Louis does feel like, which is kind of what makes him more dangerous. Like he has every intention of being a good person, but maybe isn't capable. I, I do fear that he has a darkness to him that he can't control. I think he could control it if he had space to explore it with consciousness. Okay. But I don't think that, I don't think he's found that space. Cause this is the guy, again, he did go to that warrior camp. Like he's clearly a seeker. But doesn't that freak you out that he's done so, he's always doing a thing. He's always doing a meditation, a mantra, a, med- a retreat. And he still hasn't found it. Well, it makes me feel bad for him because I think this is the state of the world. I mean, look, I come across this all the time in my work. I think it's hard to find places and spaces that will hold space in a non-judgmental way okay. for strong, powerful energy, which, by the way, might be vi- like for his violent energy. You know what I mean? Like okay. Louis very well. I mean, it sounds like based on the reports we get, he's got violent yeah. energy in him. Okay. By the way, I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying like. Okay, great. Go and have like a scary emotional outburst with your girlfriend. I don't know what he's doing. Or, you know, go have a road rage incident. But what I am saying is if I were working with Louis, I would want to give him space to express that energy with an intention for learning more about it. You know, where did this come from? What's getting triggered in you? Because my feeling about Louis. Like the best way I can kind of explain it metaphorically that I think more people can relate to, it's like Let's say you got a message around just your ang- your basic anger. You know, when you were younger, it got turned against you or you were gaslit in some way. Like you expressed anger about things you should be expressing anger about. And your parents are like, oh, look at you, you know, whatever. And so you learn or you pay a price for it. Right. So you learn to yeah. suppress it. Got and then it. what happens? The more that you hold back your anger, the more it accumulates. And then it builds and it builds. And then there's some instance, right, where you explode. And it's not proportionate to the situation. And you say hurtful things. And then what happens? You're like, holy shit. This, I have so much shame. I made a mess. This confirms my worst idea about myself, which is I'm this horrible, angry person who has to hold all this back. So let me just, like, push this all back down. And then it's just going to repeat itself, right? Where the healing would be is like, well, no, like, let's give you permission not to like leak it out on someone else, but to explore again, what's being triggered? Where is this rage coming from? And then kind of backtracking that to learn, like, where did you get the first message that you don't have a right to your anger? Because that's what we got to deal with, right? So with Louis... He does feel like, I mean, you know, just even taking him in, he's got, I mean, people make fun of it. He's got that red flushed face. He's got a lot of energy. You know what I mean? He's going to warrior camp. He feels like this strong kind of aggro guy who's got a lot that wants to move through him. He also has a lot of sensitivity. Like, that's the thing. He feels like this guy who has a lot of heart, a lot of sensitivity, a lot of like warrior energy, if that's what you want to call it. And I just get this sense. I mean, we've seen very little of him, but my initial sense is like early messages I keep hearing mom. Like, I keep hearing, like, an overpowering kind of devouring mom. It's like, oh, Louie, like, be a good boy, Louie. Oh, Louie, don't do that. Like, just early messages around his his more powerful energy. And it's somehow getting labeled 
bad, wrong. We don't do that. Men aren't like that. Suddenly what I'm hearing is like, you don't want to be like your father. Your father's like that. You know what I mean? Like getting these sort of messages about like, that's toxic, you know, to use today's language, that's toxic masculinity, Louis. So it's like, there are these parts of himself that may actually be vital that he's learned to push down and then he's outraged about it. And then what happens? It comes out in these violent outbursts and you've got this guy who on one side is sensitive and it's kind of like, I want to be good. And then he's like, holy shit, I'm this monster. I'm so ashamed. Mm. I'm doing things I'm not supposed to be doing. I got to hide this. And he's sort of stuck in this bind. That's kind of how I experience him. Okay. What I do feel most immediately is that I think part of his investment in this relationship is he likes being the quote unquote rational one who gets to be the like, the one, because you, I mean, you saw at the reunion the way he's whispering to Teresa, just calm down. You know what I mean? He gets to be kind of like. Oh, wait, I have mm-hmm. a question about that. Okay, okay. So I would have thought that they would have had a conversation like ahead of time before they went on set. Like, we are not, we are not hugging them. We are not high fiving them. We are not making up with Margaret and Joe. And then there he goes, giving them hugs and shaking their hands. And Teresa's like, don't touch them. Don't you be saying hi to them. Was was that like a betrayal on because it was right there on camera, kind of made a fool out of her. That confused me. It left me a bit baffled. I just sort of compartmentalized it and left it over there and didn't bother exploring it too much. So are you saying the point of confusion for you is just that they weren't on the same page? Based on the way the the finale went, like when he said she just wants to sit in your seat, he seemed like they, you know, they really were on the same page with Margaret's just jealous. She just wants to be where you are. We're together on this. Let's go. Let's go on our, you know, let's go in our big house. And then here he is at the reunion. You know, they had a conversation and he completely lets his guard down, gives a hug, shows the reconciliation. It's on camera. And she's going, no, don't do that. And they're so on different pages. And he's even willing to lean over and say, don't do this. Right. Well, because I think my sense of it is that he, and in some ways, I think he and Margaret are similar in this way. I think he knows, you know, I think he knows what he has to do. Okay. You know, because obviously the show's aired. They all know what everyone's saying. They know people are contradicting, you know, what he said about the video at the Shore House. They know, you know, he's seen the finale where he talked about their, you know, whatever, their 50,000 square foot house. Uh They know what, I'm not saying Teresa does because she's like a brick wall. Louis is smart and sensitive and emotionally intelligent to know what's being said. And he knows if he goes up there and he acts defensive and he stonewalls, he's playing into all of it. He's got to play the Margaret game. You know, like you were saying with Margaret, like she's suddenly, oh, I didn't mean it. And I didn't know. And if I had known, Margaret knows what people are saying. You know what I mean? So I think they're both, they're both covering their bases. I love that. I love that. I think that's exactly what it was. Ooh, that just gave me chills. I think that's exactly what it was. And Teresa just like, she doesn't even understand that concept. She's like, don't touch her. Yeah, she doesn't. And I think I think he knows that the leverage he has in the relationship is, you know, her deep, desperate need for his love. So even though I'm sure there are ways, I mean, he is kind of emasculated and small, I think there is a power that he also has and she's not going to turn that rage on him right so he manages her 
<laughs> and so that that's going back to the point I was making. I think part of him likes managing her because if there is, you know, if in some ways like all couples mirror aspects of each other to each other, right? I don't think it's an accident that he's with Teresa, who's this volatile, passionate woman with her own relationship to violence, by the way. And so it's almost like if he's at odds with this fire inside of himself, he gets to be the the rational, sane, in control oh. guy who's like, oh, oh Teresa, I-, I take care of Teresa. And not only am I taking care of Teresa, I'm taking care of like this powerful reality star like i'm i'm the wind beneath the wings i think there's like a charge he gets out of that because it proves something about himself right i'm the good guy so interesting too because he's had admittedly so nothing but toxic relationships and so here he is with a woman who's notably not a very like level-headed person and he's selected her but she's obviously on her best behavior like you said she doesn't want to show her worst sides to him she's managed under his spell well, I also just don't think she directs that towards the men in her life. Like, did she ever direct that towards Joe? 100%. Good point. Very good point. With Joe, she was, she never, we wanted her to get mad at Joe. Mm-hmm. We wanted her to direct some of that anger towards Joe. She never did, ever. So you're right. What I think is really interesting, because you brought up past relationships, I think. What I was really struck by thinking about it today, obviously, I don't know a lot about Louis' past relationships, but I know at least one of them was that therapist, I guess, who now who now specializes in narcissism and is running marathons. But what struck me is what I know of her, she feels so different energetically than Teresa in the sense that, obviously, if she's a therapist, she's got some amount of emotional intelligence and she's got some amount of like being able to have articulate conversations. Right. So it's interesting to me that Louis might be making an energetic pivot with someone like Teresa and kind of what that means or where this fits into the whole pattern of things. That's a really good point. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. It's like simpler almost. That's kind of why it was when I was watching girls trip and I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I mean, it it was part of my hope, but also maybe a sense, (laughs) a, a precognitive intuitive sense that, even if this guy has been like a really shitty guy with women in the past, that in this instance, because he is smart and he kind of knows what he needs to do and to say to make things look good, that he really might be on better behavior in this particular situation. And that with someone like Teresa, who I have to imagine isn't going to challenge and trigger him in the same ways that these past girlfriends did he might be able to do that. Like there's something safer about her, right? right? Because isn't the other, the other ex is a doctor or something, right? The one who's now dating David. Oh, is she? I don't know. I think she's in the medical industry. So yeah, basically uh, Teresa is a, is definitely a different energy, a more simple minded energy. Yeah. Like an old school Italian wife, mom. Who, who just wants to serve the man anyway. Like he probably he's probably loving that, actually. And I do. I fell from Teresa, too, like from the beginning of this relationship. I just feel it's part of her that wants to be taken care of. Like, I think she wants to be taken care of. You know, I think she that's the thing about Teresa. I mean, her story is so compelling to me. Right. Because she went I mean, she's the ultimate of I went from housewife to the powerful breadwinner. But whereas someone, for example, like Tamara, who I think stepped into something in a really empowered way, 
I just kind of get the feeling Teresa could take her leave being the powerful breadwinner. I don't think she really cares about that. I don't think she wants it for herself. I think it makes her feel sad and alone. I think there's a part of her that just so deeply wants to be taken care of. And yeah, I don't know. And that even saying that, it just brings me back to Brooks. It's like, because I, I know people make the comparison with the affirmations, but it lands a little differently with me. Like with Vicky, it feels like she's she's such an independent and sort of powerful and empowered woman that it, it, it lands wrong, her infantilizing herself in that way. And I'm not saying that what's the word like in an ideal situation Teresa's infantilizing herself but there's something that almost feels a little bit more just a little bit more organic about that kind of relationship dynamic with Teresa and a man if that makes sense I get it you know I've actually said and I think this would be such a nice gift to Teresa because the the cast often gets accused of just writing on Teresa and letting Teresa be the storyline I would love it if they would give Teresa a spinoff and let Teresa have a nice year of just surrounding herself with nothing but people she wants to be around and like give her the paycheck to go do her spinoff and the rest of the cast can show up and try to make an interesting season and if they don't then guess what? They got to reconfigure that cast and they can bring Teresa back and she can be more of the head bitch in charge again. I know they won't do it, but it would just be like a nice gift to <laughs> Teresa because she I know I agree with you. She seems so exhausted. She hates filming. Like when she showed up to that tree thing, she was like, I don't even want to I'm not I'm going to just like guide you guys off a cliff. Like, I don't even want to do this. So I just I, I can tell she's only there because she needs the money. Give her a spinoff. Give her a wedding special. Give her some money. Like, Bravo owes it to her. The woman went to prison and you filmed her coming <laughs> out of prison. Like, you her crying out loud. She did not miss a day. She didn't take one day off. She got out of prison and filmed. Cameras were there in her house. Like, give it to her. Give her a wedding special. Give her, give her another year, like a love bubble spinoff or whatever. I won't watch it because it would be I wouldn't be able to handle it. But people will watch it. People will love it. I kind of felt like part of the reason why she felt so different on the girls trip was the fact that, yeah, she didn't have to carry this one on her shoulders. It wasn't riding on her, you know, on, on, on her personal struggles and her storylines. And it sort of felt like the first time we got to experience Teresa relaxed but not just relaxed, because obviously she was relaxed maybe the first two seasons, but relaxed also having gone through that whole humbling experience that she's gone through. And yeah, I got to say, as someone who never liked her, I yeah. loved her on Girls Trip. I Me really too. was so touched by the way she showed up to that, whatever you want to call it, that journey. Um, I agree. Yeah. When she went in to cook, when she went in, was cooking with everybody in the kitchen, and she just seemed so warm and... I agree. It showed it. it showed, unlike Kenya, who everyone was like, Kenya really won me over. I'm like, <sighs> I don't understand. Oh, my God. I, I think you and I are the only ones in the Bravo community that are like, what are you talking about? I, to this day. And the thing is, Emily, like, I don't even love Cynthia at all. Neither but, do I. <laughs> but to this day, when I hear people talking about basically blaming Cynthia for that situation and, you know, denigrating Cynthia's role and all of that. It, it makes my blood boil because I'm just, yeah. Are we watching the same show and the horrible friend 
The second that Kenya was accepted into kind of like the popular crew and the cool girl clique, how quick and ready she was to dispose of Cynthia, completely dismiss her feelings, be actively rude to her at her little party events. I mean, it was, to me, it, it showed everything I needed to know. Thank you. But Teresa, on the other hand, and Teresa said a lot of sweet things on Ultimate Girls Trip. It was pointed at Melissa, but it was like, you know, on my show, it's nothing but adversaries. Like, there's no one. I don't have any person on my show that's like my ride or die. And even with Melissa, though, like, I really felt from Teresa on Girls Trip this this sense of... And I, this is going to sound negative, but I don't mean it. Like this this sense of I maybe don't like you as a person. And I yeah, and I don't even like the choices that you've made, but you are my sister-in-law, and at this point in my life, I'm going to I'm going to get along with you because it's just important to get along with you. And I mean, I think that's the thing. You know, people say Teresa hasn't changed at all, and I I get it in terms of her behavior this season. Yes, I mean, this is definitely stubborn, willful, old Teresa that we've seen throughout the whole series. But I will say, the Teresa on Ultimate Girls Trip, no, that to me was a vulnerable, humbled woman who is giving other people grace. And I I do feel like there has been change in Teresa. I just think when the flip gets switched, she's back in her old ways. Well, the premiere episode of this season, it's at her house and Marge, the first thing out of her mouth is, Louie's got to talk about that video. That's the first thing she says. So Teresa's hairs are up and she's like, listen, if we're about to do this, like you're not going to, it's not going to go down like that. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're saying this because I mean, and I promise not to make this the Margaret episode, but it's like, this is why I can't stand Margaret because it's like, look, Margaret, if you're going to do it, because here's the thing we all know Margaret, yes, is playing the housewives game. I do want to say though, Margaret does have a choice. She doesn't have to do that if she doesn't want to. Dolores did not do it. Jennifer didn't do it. I think Dolores or someone, even at that pool party, started to bring it up. Teresa shut it down and you saw they were like, okay. You know, they just, they stopped. So, you know, you are still making a choice. And we all know there are things on these shows that the women do agree not to talk about sometimes. You know, there's kind of selective, who knows what the selection process is for what they decide is fair game and what isn't. But Margaret made an active choice. Okay, fine, you made that choice. But it's like, you know who this woman is. You know who she is. You know how she's going to respond. You know. And then not only that, but I feel like, and I'm not saying Teresa's rational or reasonable, but I feel like Teresa made it really clear. This is what I'm asking of you. If you want to be good with me, this is how you do it. And Margaret wouldn't drop it. So look, Teresa's responsible for her own actions. I'm not saying it's Margaret's fault how Teresa responds, but I'm also not going to sit here and sort of indulge Margaret's pity party when she knowingly was stirring up shit for the sake of the show, knowing who she was dealing with. It's like, and that's where I agree with Teresa. It's like, you you poke the bear, you're going to get bit. And it's, it, she baited her, got the response she wanted, and she's like, she should be fired. It kind of had that energy. It's like she, she poked at her, poked at her, got the response, and then was like, you don't do that. You don't. You don't get physical. You don't do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, first of all, you're on Jersey. They always get physical. And you pushed someone in a pool. 
Yeah, like Margaret, you have no room to talk about getting physical, okay? Margaret really glosses over all the things she's done. Margaret, there is a laundry list of things you've done. By the way, Margaret, you poured water on Danielle's head prior to that. You also then, after you push this guy in the pool, which I want to say... I know everyone loved that moment. When I watched that, I was like, you just pushed someone in a pool. Like I, and you know what it is, Emily? It's like, you know, I think about, for example, Tamara throwing that glass of wine at Gina Keogh, right? At least that moment, I could feel Tamara's rage. That rage was real. Now, maybe there was some awareness of it being a great TV moment, but it was still coming from a real fucking place. Margaret, on the other hand, that just felt to me like a made-for-TV moment where she was going to have her time to shine, push someone in the pool, which, I mean, I don't want to be pearl-clutchy about it, but he could have gotten hurt. I mean, that's not... that. It's just so extra, right? And then the very next season, that guy you pushed in the pool... He's getting a divorce and you insert yourself into the middle of his divorce and invite him over and say things like, we're not letting you get back together with her. Which again, you know who you are dealing with. You know Danielle is fucking nuts. (laughs) Why are you going around doing things that you know are going to incense her? (sighs) (laughs) No, Margaret makes you crazy too. Because she will always act above it all. And when you bring it to her attention, she goes, oh, and she just glosses right over it. And somehow Andy doesn't hold her feet to the fire. You know, I got to say, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about like Andy's favoritism. And I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just never pay much mind to it. But this reunion, this last part was the first time I was like, Oh, I actually think he really doesn't like Jen because at all, you know, Jen was making all the points and, you know, I mean, everything she was saying, I mean, don't even get me started on (laughs) the fact that Frank clearly told Bill gossip about the woman that Evan was quote unquote allegedly cheating with and that that is what Jen was responding to that Frank then made the choice to go on camera. on camera, which to Jen's point, if he hadn't done that, none of this would be talked about. He, for some reason in his, de- like, I don't know what's going on with Frank. He decides he has to go on camera, talk about this, but lay it on Jen's feet. Jen, very understandable, understandably is trying to get clearance on this because everyone in this cast has been pointing a finger at her saying you're horrible and that's what chaps me about it it's it's not even just that they're scapegoating jen or that they're like letting frank off the hook it's the vitriol with which they point at jen and say literally evan saying you're a bad person the vitriol with which margaret says like you basically are a bad person and frank is letting her flounder Frank is just watching her like, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Frank. It's not even that big a deal for you to say, like, look, I was just being stupid and saying the girl that they're all gossiping about is the one of this. Gen- he wouldn't let her off the hook. He would not take any ownership for it. He's a little slimy one this season. I was so mad at him at that reunion when he was talking about Polly and it was making Dolores mad. And we've I've never seen Dolores's face like that. Well, let's just like I mean, let's just be clear. I mean, look, Frank's a charming guy. I, I think it's he's, been clear for a while. He's not a good guy. Like, this is no. not a good guy. I mean, I mean, first of all, cheating on his pregnant wife. And then we learn 
<laughs> then we learn, I guess Dolores gave him some ultimatum that he wouldn't even, you know, live up to, like, call the woman and call it off. Has never lived with his children before last season on TV. They're both 20-somethings. Has been disbarred. I mean... Hi. Disbarred. And then he was like, he bragged about how he would go to massage parlors. Or did he own massage parlors? Why does he never have a house, by the way? He's always living with people. Well, also, can we talk about the fact that this decision to live with David clearly hurts Dolores? And she's just got to deal with it. And now he has the audacity to be making fun of her new boyfriend because he won't be friends with Frank the way he wants. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because when Frank, I mean, very self-righteously... Basically was complaining, hey, I, I invited him out to dinner to like, have the conversation to get to know each other. And I was sort of sitting there thinking, if I were dating someone <laughs> and an ex presumed that we're supposed to have dinner to, as if I'm supposed to get clearance from this guy, I'd be like, hell no. Who the, who the F is this guy? <laughs> I'm not having dinner with him. It's like they've had such unhealthy boundaries for so long and it's been so glamorized on Housewives of New Jersey. Like, oh, get back together, you two. We love Frank and Dolores that he's unaware that it's completely unhealthy. And Polly is actually being healthy by saying, I'm going to get to know Dolores a little bit more before I go out to dinner with you and worry about being your friend. There's something that's. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know. When you just said that, I just got this hit of like. The collusion that Frank enjoys with Dolores's boyfriends. There's, oh, yeah. It, yeah, there's something sort of sick there. It's, 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 he enjoys colluding with them. And somehow, I don't know if I want to say leaving her on the outside, but there's something that happens there that's not just fun and games and innocent. I've never felt that before this moment. You seem to have. <laughs> oh, when he, that, when he said that, it really pissed me off. It, sh- when she got so mad, it, sh- it said something because I get it. All he said was he looks like Buzz Lightyear, which is kind of a compliment. And I was like, and kind of accurate. But the way <laughs> Dolores got upset, I could tell it was because this is something deeper. Like she was like, no, no, this is different this time. This is something we weren't supposed to talk about on camera. Mm. This uh, I could tell this was private. This mm-hmm. isn't their typical shtick that they do these two. And so when he when his explanation was i invited him out to dinner you know just you know because this is how it works you know we're we're it's not easy to get to understand to understand this dynamic i'm like or he's just dating dolores and needs to get to know dolores he doesn't need to get to know you you're not a package deal exactly like why is there any demand that he understands the dynamic <laughs> there is there that doesn't matter it, he needs to just get to know dolores and clearly he's healthy minded and not Jersey. He's Irish. He's like, I'm not, I don't understand all this stuff. So I'm just going to get to know this new woman. I'll get to know you later. And I guess Frank went on, uh, I think it was uh, two, two T's in a mm. pod, you know, t- oh, and I know said, it. <laughs> and said, it's like my favorite said, guilty pleasure. Oh, is it? Oh God. Do I you love. listen to it? I only listen. I only watch the clips on Instagram that they post. Guys, is it it really good? Well, define good. I mean, (laughs) what I think is brilliant about it is that what Tamara and Teddy have done, what no other housewife has been willing to do, which is to lean into talking about the housewives. So what you get are two former housewives who are watching the show from the perspective of former housewives. So 
Um, I do find it really interesting just because they have insight into the machinations of the show, into production, and then also just access to the other house. Like they can just go and DM and text and ask questions. So it, it's it's interesting from that behind the scenes perspective. And then there's also just kind of a train wreck quality to it where, um, you know, I mean, I, I've come to love Tamara, which I never would have believed I would have said that I like 10 Tamara. years ago. But I love Tamara. But, you know, God bless her. She is who she is. Like, she will revise history like no one's business. She can barely remember what's happening each episode of, you know, of the Housewives. It's just classic Tamara. And then you've got Teddy. Because a lot of people's objection to it is Teddy is so annoying. And by the way, I you know, I went into this being like, I don't know if I can handle Teddy. I don't know if I can handle Teddy. <laughs> but it's not that I like Teddy at this point. It's just that I go on the ride with her and she's, she's trying, she's trying. And (laughs) I'll tell you, I spend a lot of time really thinking about what is it about Teddy that's so annoying? Like, I really think about it. Like, why is she so triggering? Why does no one like her? What is it that's inherently unlikable about her? So it's just, there's just many different facets to it. And (laughs) I will just say for me, it's like when I just want to unplug and I don't okay. want to be thinking about anything. I put on two teas in a pod and I get lost. It's like a comfortable old blanket. I just slip myself right into. That was kind of a good pitch, to be honest. Like they, you could you could submit that to them and be like, hey, just you want to use this. Like they could. It was good. Teddy, I spend a lot of time thinking about why you're inherently unlikable. And why you trigger people and why you're just inherently annoying. <laughs> And you know what I've kind of decided about her? Because I, I I have. I've thought a lot about, like, what makes her so provocative? Why is she so provocative? And I, I actually feel that probably there's something underground in her that's provocative. Like, that she likes to provoke people. Like, she feels a little bit well, like I that bet. five-year-old who's like, I'm going to poke you. Now I'm going to flick your ear. But she doesn't own it all the way. And so I think I think that's part of it. Like, there's just something in her that, yeah, she's buzzing around you like a gnat. Because it's how she wants to get attention. But it's just oh That is so accurate. Right? Oh, my God. That is so accurate to Teddy. That really is her. But I don't think she knows that about herself. No. Yeah. I think in her conscious mind, she thinks she's doing all the right things, trying so earnestly to be fair, you know, to do this, to do that. I mean, hundred percent. And this is where I feel bad for her, you know, and this is like what my work is helping people see the difference between the unconscious mind and the conscious mind. But I feel bad for her because it's like, yeah, there's something in her that's just so like, (laughs) I'm going to get you. And then you just want to smack her down. Right. (laughs) That is so correct what you just said but it was like such a fun like what you just said was described perfectly why teddy's so annoying (laughs) i'm so glad we took this little detour into beverly hills (laughs) that was so funny frank was on two teas in a pot and he was saying that you know things are better now with paulie he's he's coming around to the dynamic of dolores night he gets how it is i'm like shut up like he no one that comes into dolores's life needs to include you in it at the level that david has that's unhealthy the entitlement of that too you cheated on this woman she's eight months pregnant left her to take care of two kids literally never helped her at all she had to watch you like philandering all around town and then you have the nerve to be controlling of her boyfriends now i can't with him like i can't well i thought what was amazing was that moment where 
I think it maybe got played off like a joke, but I don't think it was initially a joke where he pretended like he knew what it was to wake up in the middle of the night and change diapers. And oh. he said that, and I found myself questioning, wait, did Frank wake up in the middle of the night and change diapers? And Annie asked the question, and they were like, no. And then he laughed it off, and I was sitting there clocking that, thinking to myself, you just lied so easily. Yeah. And if yeah, Andy yeah. hadn't said anything, no one was going to say anything. Yeah. Frank's a dog. Frank's yeah. a dog. He's very charming. I mean, I get why people like him. He's incredibly charming. I'm sure if Frank walked in here and had a conversation with me, I'd, you know, I'd be totally tickled in loving Frank. But let's not make mistakes about who this guy is. Um, what are your thoughts on Joe B? Can I say one last thing before we shift to Joe B? I don't know if there's anything left to say about this, but I do want to say I am so drawn to whatever this energetic pattern is where Frank lies about what was said to Bill. There's this glaring lie in the room and the way that gets shuffled aside, swept under the rug in service of this rage that moves towards Jen. It's so jarring. To me, again, not even just that they're sweeping things under the rug. It's that then they feel okay to blame this woman for other people's lies and also feel quite justified in doing so. They were screaming at Jen, screaming all of them at Jen for digging. And she's just trying to say, I wasn't digging. It was like a part of a conversation. And they just all attacked her. And Andy like laughed at Jen. Oh, that's what I was going to say earlier. Yes. So this was the first time that I consciously clocked Andy's favoritism. And, you know, I've talked before about how I think Jen, I think part of the reason why Jen triggers the other cast members is she will make very visible, I think, a lot of what they try to hide. So whether it's Jackie prides herself on being, you know, wealth whispers, and then you've got ostentatious Jen, who is like, you know, nouveau riche. You know, Melissa's so savvy with the way that she engineers like her place in the show, whereas Jen will just sort of be messy and sloppy about her desire for fame. You know, it's just like she just kind of makes it so visible. And I think that triggers people and I was wondering after this reunion is there something there for Andy around that as well like seeing this quote-unquote thirsty woman who's just kind of out there as a mess and whether that triggers something in Andy who I you know I think pretty pretty aware of how he appears and operates just just a little something I'm throwing out there I would agree with that because even when she goes on watch what happens live uh, like she, I think she was on, I want to say it was this season and she got pretty drunk and Andy was not having it. Oh, he really? was, bl- he was just blatantly annoyed by her, but which, which happens on watch what happens live. Like Andy will be visibly annoyed with guests at times. And he was very annoyed with her. She was sloppy drunk though, to be <laughs> fair. <laughs> she was by no means put together. Like Jen is. That's why when Dolores said, you are sometimes hard to defend, I was like, you are, Jen. If you don't know that about yourself, like, you are you are a little difficult to defend at times. Oh, <laughs> totally. No, no. And that's what I, you know, as someone, look, I've loved Jen from her first season. But no, yeah, she's not a blameless woman. And she is her yeah. own worst enemy. For me, I just kind of love anyone who kind of owns who they are, is willing, you know, in contrast to Margaret, is willing to say, yeah, I did that to try to hurt you because I was hurt. And I just think I've seen her grow. And I think she yes. actually, despite these women's claims otherwise, I think she actually brings her authentic self to the show. Um, I really thought that she had such a gorgeous arc 
happening. And I think Teresa is the roadblock for any growth on this show. Uh, that was what bummed me out. I felt like the after show Jen was so different than what we were seeing in the season. Like when I would watch the after show, I was like, oh man, I could tell Teresa kind of like the two of them got together and mm -hmm. really formed a tighter alliance. And Jen got almost paranoid because Teresa can get paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> it's true you know and yeah. so I've, the, jen took some of that on and so she was like she had some theories in the after show that i was like what are we saying now and dolores became an enemy because it was like she was convinced i think dolores was like scheming with margaret i'm really i don't think that i think dolores has just been in this circle of crazy for so long that she can navigate being friends with Caroline and being friends with Teresa. And she's like, she remember when she was, when she walked in Kim D's fashion show, the same Kim D fashion show that Teresa like bum rushed <laughs> with like her posse of people, Margaret and like Melissa were there too. Like Dolores just knows kind of how to remain somewhat what she's on the side of whatever she thinks is right even if it's an unpopular opinion. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, and, and then what it comes to me is she's made a whole life out of that. I mean, that's what's yeah. at play with her family. I mean, it's it's she stays in this amicable relationship with Frank. Then she navigates that with her boyfriends. You know, the kids are on one side. She's always sort of walking this middle ground, Yeah, which is interesting. I find that spoke on the wheel or that energetic position interesting of like what it means for Dolores to be walking this middle ground it's weird because there's a way in which she takes stands right but then there's a yes. way in which she doesn't take stands. it's like she takes stands on behalf of not taking a stand and I almost wonder like what would it mean for her to really take a stand in a, in a certain type of way where she's laying something down and saying no, Frank, this isn't actually okay and I have feelings about it. Or even, no, David, this isn't actually okay and I have feelings about it. No, Teresa, it really fucking hurt me that you didn't invite me to this and now our friendship is damaged. It's like there's always a, a line that she's towing. I don't know. My 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 just sort of kind of faint initial impression, it's something around like if, if I did take these stands, it's kind of like there's no one on the other side. It's, it's like no one's coming around to meet me halfway oh. it's interesting it's almost like that's where i really will get left alone but i feel like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because then she maybe abandons herself in ways where there's people around but i think she feels alone yeah because that's a very interesting point because even just taking it like in the show so you've got the scene right after you know the quote fight with Melissa and Jen when Melissa for some reason charges at Jen but was just going to go talk to her so Jen blocks it but then it's oh my god Jen put her hands on Melissa yes. Dolores took a stand Dolores was like I'm staying with Jen I'm I am making a stand I'm not going with Margaret I'm staying here with Jen and the next night went to Melissa's shore house party and even though it was just Margaret, Jackie, and Melissa, she was willing to say, I'm sorry, you guys all ganged up on her. And if you charge at me, I'm going to assume you're going to do something. So I'm going to block you. And she was willing to be like the only person standing up for Jen, but still at the party and still with them. So mm -hmm. kind of alone, but still like taking that stand. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then just even when I brought David into it, like that really jumped out at me, like in that relationship, 
right? There was so much that she was tolerating and not taking a stand for or about. But then that's what I mean when I say she'll take a stand about not taking a stand. She'll take a stand with the friends in her life saying, don't you question my relationship and da, 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 da. It's just, yeah, it is interesting how she manages to be very firm and stubborn about the way that she'll walk in the middle and not have a strong position unless you're Jackie, (laughs) which apparently that. (laughs) But isn't it interesting that what set her off about that was the accusation of you're not being a good friend to Jen? So there's obviously something in all of this about what it means to Dolores to be a good friend, to be a good wife, to be a good girlfriend, to show that loyalty. And yeah, somehow it seems bound up at the expense of her own authentic expression. Yeah, I don't even think she, I don't even know if she knows what her authentic expression is or if remaining neutral is her authentic expression almost. Well, it reminds me of like when I explored this with Lisa Barlow. Like I feel like there actually probably is an authentic place in Lisa Barlow that likes to see all sides of a situation. Like I think if Lisa Barlow were like, like, let's call her fully integrated, you know, I think that she's probably someone who wants to see the complexity in all sides of something, but in the place where she's not, she's not walking with that completely authentically. Instead, it becomes this distorted version, which is like, I'm talking out both sides of my mouth. I'm saying one thing over here. I'm saying one thing over there. I mean, Dolores and Lisa are completely different energetically, but I feel this little bit of a similarity of just that 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 voice that kind of throws up your hands and says, I'm not choosing sides. I'm not getting involved. But then somehow you're like right there in the middle of everything and you're sort of almost betraying everyone all at once. I don't know. It, it's it's ah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the betraying everyone all at once thing. That's what ends up happening. It's like people really want you to take a stand on their side so they know where you stand. The neutrality really pisses off a housewife's cast. Mm-hmm. They don't like that. They need you, They need to know where you stand on the issue and it needs to be one side or the other. Right. Because I feel like what Lisa Barlow would never do is just to say something like, I mean, to be honest, the whole Salt Lake City cast would never do this. But like to say, Jen Shah. The truth of the matter is I have questions. I don't know what to believe. I'm still willing to be here with you and for you, but like, I I don't know, you know, or Mary. Yeah. You know, people are saying things. I don't know what the truth is. Like, I'll be here and listen to you, you know, whatever it is. Like she won't just come out and kind of own whatever it is that she has questions that she has doubts, but that she's also willing to hold space for the bigger picture. And I kind of feel like it's the same thing with Dolores where it's like, she won't say, Teresa, you're acting like a freaking lunatic. I love you. I'm here with you, but you're acting like a freaking lunatic. Or David, step up and be a man. You know what I mean? I love you. I'm here with you in this relationship. And so it's like, I feel like, I think that's the connection I'm making. Dolores and Lisa, to me, they both feel like women who are at their core willing to hold space for like deeper levels of humanity and complexity. But in the place where they're not willing to really be honest about what's coming up from them in different situations, because they think that's what it means to like hold the middle or to be a good friend because they're scared of like, yeah, the loss of connection or what's going to come at them if they have a strong point of view. They end up just kind of, yeah, walking this sort of strange middle ground 
that doesn't feel totally authentic, even though I think they both do have an authentic relationship to the deeper complexities of people and relationships. That made me miss Lisa Barlow. I miss her. <laughs> that made me miss her so much. Don't narrate me. <laughs> Don't narrate me. <laughs> but what's so interesting to me going back to Melissa, what was so interesting, you know, you were talking about like the way the women scream at Jen. Well, you mentioned when Margaret had called Jen a concubine. And I was so struck by that moment in the reunion where Melissa suddenly said, don't act like calling someone a concubine or talking about a mail order bride is the same thing as calling someone a slut or a whore. It's like she was like, it's driving me crazy that we're even acting like these are equivalent, which I thought that to me was one of the most striking moments, because for me, absolutely, those are equivalent, like absolutely, those are equivalent. But Melissa had so much conviction in that moment that I realized, oh, shit, for you, this is really true. You really believe that being called a slut or a whore is much worse than calling someone a concubine or a mail order bride, which I just thought, first of all, that was just interesting information, you know, presumably about their environment and their culture. But it also helped me to understand, okay, like as much as Melissa pisses me off with how charged she gets around Jen, it finally clicked in me. Melissa truly believes Jen is doing worse things than the other women. I don't think yeah. I really understood that before. Wait, do you, so you really think she genuinely thinks that Jen is doing worse? Okay, she's okay. That's so what she's she said. Not clocking, and she's okay. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that was the statement she said. She said, "Let's not pretend." That calling someone a concubine or a mail order bride is as bad as calling someone a slut it's or a whore. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. It's like hard for me to wrap my head around that these people don't see their own hypocrisy. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think for me, I think because I was looking at it from a bird's eye view for so long, I just assumed there was some level of awareness on their part of the hypocrisy. Yeah. And that was the moment where it suddenly, I mean, and of course, now that I'm saying it, it makes so much sense. Like, you know, we're all lost in our myopic viewpoints and we all have blind spots. And certainly most of the people on these reality TV shows are not people who are known for their their heightened level of introspection. And so that was the moment where it clicked, where I just realized, holy shit, Melissa really believes this. And again, I mean, it starts making me curious about that culture. You know, we could say in Jersey, the Italian American culture that, you know, obviously we know there's a lot of slut shaming in there, but the degree to which that, I guess that's been so internalized by her that she really sees these things as not equal things at all. So were you going to ask something about Joe Benino? Is that his name, Joe Benino? He creeps me out. I don't enjoy his energy at all. Does he know that Marge, he's got to, like, there were so many scenes that Marge did, like when he she, she she finds out when they're in they're in Nashville, she finds out that Teresa is saying that Marge is the reason all these rumors are coming out about Louie. She goes over, she has a scene with Joe on camera and she's like, can you believe she's saying I'm the one that's putting out all these rumors? And Joe doesn't even do a convincing job <laughs> of saying like. I can't believe she'd even say that. Like he kind of like darts his eyes around. And then in the after show, he does an even worse job of saying he's like, Marge doesn't have the time to 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 do that, to even say that she would 
that's just it's ridiculous like marge isn't meanwhile in the exact same after show jackie said that marge wakes up every morning has her coffee and is like paying attention to all the gossip in jersey mm-hmm. joe knows right yeah i mean there's a couple things i'm going to say and, and this is why i was saying i mean even though Teresa loses the plot She's not completely wrong about things. I mean, I'll just say, aside from just the vibe I've gotten off Margaret from the beginning, in this little niche that we're in of Bravo media-related personalities and and whatnot, I I know people who know Margaret who have expressed that she has specifically leaked information to them with the intention and hope that they were going to spread it around the media. I mean, this is what she does. I also happen to know that she will invite super fans to her home and gossip about the cast. I mean, this is what she does. So, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when wow. Teresa says, like, you're the one spreading the rumors out there, again, do I think Teresa's losing the plot? Be- I mean, look, I think in the case of Louis, it was these ex-girlfriends. I don't think Margaret necessarily had anything to do with breaking the story. But I do think in Teresa's limited, you know, way of processing things, she's speaking to an awareness of who Margaret is and how she's operating on the show. And that's why I get upset that <laughs> Teresa can't advocate for herself in a calmer, more intelligent way because it's like, no, you you are calling something out here. Margaret is not just this innocent woman who graciously brings things up on camera for your charitable benefit. She's in the muck stirring this stuff up. Now, the other thing I want to say, though, in response to that, the thing that I will never forget, and this is one of those things that for some reason I feel like it gets lost in the shuffle. But that moment last year when Joe let it slip that he heard the rumor about Evan, too, at Guy's Night, when Margaret wasn't there, of course, you know what I mean, to wield her control. And the way she reacted when that came out at that little dinner, I guess it got overshadowed by the whole fight with Joe and Teresa and Melissa dramatically flipping over the cheese cubes. But that said a lot right there, the way that Margaret, she was not happy that that was said. And... I feel like we got a glimpse of something that usually happens behind closed doors. And also the way Joe just like, Joe didn't move. Margaret was like in his face and he stared straight. He didn't look at her. He just shrunk down in his seat and didn't look anywhere near her. He was like, I don't know. He's like, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Yeah. I mean, I think Joe knows how to be a good boy in that relationship. And I think he says and does all the things he's supposed to do and say. And like I said, I don't think Margaret plays second fiddle. And I think she's running that show. Look, my intention with this podcast isn't about like peddling gossip. I just think it's interesting that Joe let that drop at the poker night Frank saying things about the alleged woman, you know, at dinner with Bill. Clearly, there is a lot of talk about this. You know, we'll just leave it there. It's not for us to know what's happening or what's not happening. But I I guess me, this is sort of circling back around to, I mean, it's sort of similar with the situation with Frank. It's like Joe's saying something over here, right? And people are talking and whispering behind the scenes. And yet for some reason, Jennifer Aiden is getting like yeah she's the horrible person her fault it's crazy i know we really scooch like we scoot right over that joe b thing i'm like joe said he heard it from the women in the office Mm -hmm. he said that and i think this is sort of the where we come against come up against the limitation of the weird brand of loyalty i mean certainly you could say on all the housewives franchises but certainly in jersey where it's like it 
feels like there's this truth not being named, which, look, it doesn't even have to be the quote-unquote truth that Evan's cheating, but there's a truth that there's some sort of rumor that's out there and circulating. And just the way that clearly it is being discussed and talked about, but in loyalty to Jackie... You know, we're going to pretend like this doesn't exist, but then they'll crucify Jen for much of the same behavior. And then they got to kind of twist themselves into a pretzel, though, to make it seem like Jen is just this sort of lone wolf perpetuating some cardinal sin rather than acknowledging the reality that she's working within a larger context where this is being talked about amongst the group and apparently the town. And the problem is Teresa, her biggest ally, can't doesn't have the verbal skills to like back her up and explain any of that. So she just has Teresa who comes in and just kind of screams and and makes it seem like Jen's even less credible mm-hmm. and like kind of just plays into what they already think about Jen. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't have like a good backup. And Dolores just remains too neutral and doesn't really explain it either. So I agree. Jen becomes total scapegoat, total enemy. Andy believes it too. Andy made it very clear at that reunion that he, I was also very annoyed that he didn't give her a moment with her receipts. Oh, her yeah. very well printed. They were printed that size so that he could read them. <laughs> I thought that they were a perfect size. The font, the font was, I could, I thought it was well done and it wasn't like she was taking up that much time. She deserved her moment. And I thought it was a very, I mean, she went a little, she went a little heavy with the showing of her face. There was no need for them to show the <laughs> post-surgery face. Yeah. I got what she was doing though, but, but that's Jen. Jen needs to do that. But Melissa was refusing to let Jen show the evidence, which was Melissa started it. She did start it. Melissa posted something. Jen Jen commented and posted, and at the end of it, wrote one little sentence, and then that's where they run I know. and go crazy for a whole season. And for Melissa to sit there and say, Jen, you just have to own that you started it. And I'm just sitting there like, what are you talking about, Melissa? You started it. And I want to say, I mean, I... Part of me was like hoping and praying maybe Jen had listened to this podcast because the episode I did about Margaret and Jen, I brought out those receipts. I literally brought out the Instagram post and like tracked through what happened because (laughs) it was so infuriating to me that this like narrative was getting spun that their whole justification for the way they've been after her this season is, well, the things that you provoke and the things that you say and literally it started with Melissa, Melissa. Melissa doing this totally unnecessary, unprovoked Instagram post where she (laughs) said all these passive aggressive things about it's a whole post about Jen. The entire post is about how how Jen is terrible. So what is she supposed to do? (laughs) (laughs) So when Andy was like making Jen feel stupid for having these receipts in this whole moment, I'm like, well, I'm sorry. At least she's doing something. What's Melissa doing over there at the end of the couch? Well, speak- Has she brought anything to this reunion? Well, I, I was dying when he was asking for final reflections and Melissa dared to bring back her Antonia tumbling storyline as her final, like whatever it was, what she got the most out of from the season. I was like, oh, Melissa, you are running Wait. with the storyline. Well, I have a question. Did I miss it? But did Andy bring up at all that they gave Jen so much hell for pulling her family no. into... 
okay, that really made me mad because they all gave Jen so much hell last year for pulling her family. How dare she pull her family into a storyline? Meanwhile, that's all Melissa did this season was literally pull her daughter into a storyline. Well, also, let's not forget, Melissa used her family to get on the show. And not only did she like, like, Jen clearly was going through a like this was really happening in her family. Her dad was really living with her when her, the, her parents were going through an issue. And it, I didn't really think that she was like pandering to the cameras or anything. It felt authentic. It felt real. No, as where as where Melissa and her daughter did not feel <laughs> or Melissa's missing uh-huh. sister that never even materialized. <laughs> Ever the, the the and that's why I love Jen. That oh my god, that's when I fell in love with Jen. The reunion where the you know Melissa's storyline was the I want to have a kid, and mm. and Jen was like she doesn't want to have a kid. She's too selfish. Like, <laughs> bravo, bravo, just shameless. But, see, but I- yeah, I I wanted them to bring that up because I was like the hypocrisy of Melissa to give Jen shit for that, and then for you to literally use your daughter not only to say. She has an ankle injury and a knee injury or whatever, but also she's depressed. I'm like, that is private. What's your take on the Melissa Teresa relationship at this point? And just, yeah, sort of everything that was going on between them at the reunion. And Okay. Melissa to me has, is she's really like, it's tough because Melissa's actually quite likable. Like when I saw her on Watch What Happens Live, I was like, oh, she's actually like a fun person. Like she'd be like if I met her, I'm sure she'd be a fun, easy to get along with type of person. But I've seen the way she's goaded Teresa from the second she got on the show. Like when she got on the show, she was so passive aggressive and and made so many digs at Teresa. And she's basically just like Teresa. All the things that she complains about with Teresa are things that she's very guilty of doing herself. Um, and so at this point, the when the when the war starts with these two again, like when it gets revved up, I I almost it's like I get PTSD from when we had the civil war between the families, the Gorgas and the Judices for like five seasons. So I just tune it out and I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't like I almost can't even process it. The problem is I'm sure Teresa is justified because what happens is I watch the show and my instinct is watching it going, oh my God, Teresa's being irrational. Like the whole, you should have postponed your wedding because I was pregnant and you wanted me to be in your wedding and you should have postponed it. That's what a good sister-in-law would have done. My instinct watching is to be like, Teresa, you're being ridiculous. Then I go on like Twitter and people have these great points about how Melissa is actually the villain. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. And that's what happens with Jersey all the time. I watch it. My instinct is usually that Teresa is annoying and difficult and I can't stand her. Then I go and I see some other opinion on it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good point, too. There's just a lot of hypocrisy on both sides. So I don't really know. Like, I land where I don't really like Melissa and Joe necessarily. But I and I think I land where I don't even really care. I want them not even to I want them to stop pretending like they can have a relationship. I'm sort of I'm sick of like the you're my brother. You're my sister. Defend me. I'm like, just admit you fucking hate each other. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because in some ways I've really appreciated where they've been the last few seasons because I feel like it's modeled something healthy in a way, which is, you know, and I think to your point, I I think they've both had each other's number from the beginning. I think absolutely there are things that Melissa does that uh, 
like you said, passive aggressive. I, I, you know, I believe a lot of what Teresa said about who she was when she came on the scene. And I absolutely believe that Melissa was seeing who Teresa was, you know, and that, uh, you know, Teresa was kind of like the uh, nightmarish sister-in-law from hell who was like giving her no grace and wanted to be the center of attention all the time. Like, I feel like, what was that moment in Atlanta? We see each other. Like, I feel like Melissa and Teresa have seen each other and there's quote unquote blame on both sides. But I feel like sort of what happened through the whole jail rigmarole is basically these two actually got to a place of we see each other. We don't necessarily like each other as people. We're family. We're going to finally just give each other grace and kind of learn to accept each other for who we actually are and learn when to back off and learn when to pick our battles and learn how to say the thing that we need to say. You know, it's, I mean, even on the girls trip, Teresa basically communicated, I didn't like how you came on the show, you know, and Melissa denied it. And you just sort of saw they, they just, they let it be. Right. And so for me, like I said, there's almost been something kind of, you never see this on housewives. I feel like you never actually see, a model of what it is for two people to kind of accept the limitations of their relationship and Mm. for the sake of greater unity and harmony, just sort of let each other be. Now, what I think is interesting is something's gotten kicked up again, to your point, this season. And so now we're back in those waters and it's interesting, right? I mean, it's, it's interesting because something's gotten kicked up in Teresa where she's lost some of the softness that she accumulated. She's back in that hardcore, like you're either with me or against me mode. She's making these unreasonable demands. So then it's making her incredibly hypocritical (laughs) where basically I'm asking things of you. I'm not going to give you in return. And it's obviously triggering the old wound in Melissa and for Melissa, like kind of the way that I experience it from her point of view. I mean, there's a lot I think that I see going on what I've been thinking about with both sides of the family is just their relationship to the show, because that's the thing they're on this show together. Right. So it's like, they can't leave each other alone. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because I look at Teresa and I'm like, you kind of have to stay on the show. You got four girls to put through college. (laughs) Like this is, this is how you earn your living. I look over at the Gorgas and I'm like, you don't necessarily have to be on the show. And I think about what, what's in it for them, you know, and why do they stay in the show? And, you know, I was looking at Melissa and seeing the way that actually both towards Jen and Teresa, just kind of like her posture towards them. And I, I really got this vibe of a woman who in some ways feels stuck. And it's almost like when she came on the show, I, I mean, we all saw it, right? She wanted to be the next Britney Spears. She was recording on display. She thought, she thought she was going to be the breakout star and that everyone was going to see her side of things. I mean, she had that kind of naive, myopic, inflated sense, I think, of how this was going to go for her. But the thing is, Melissa's smart, like Louis. You know, like she's smart. And she, she, you know, she heard what people are saying. She saw how she came off. She is course corrected so well. So she doesn't say thank you, Jesus, anymore. God. I think what I'm saying about all this, it's almost like I don't know that the show has given her everything that she wanted from it. I think it gives her a taste of some of what she wants for herself. I don't know how happy she really is 
in her family life or even her relationship with Joe. I wonder about that sometimes because to your point, you know, I've spoken about this before. I, I agree with you. I think there is something really likable about her. I think she's smart. I think she's seductive. I think she's got such an interesting energy and kind of going back to what I was saying about how can you compare calling a concubine to a slut? I think that she, I think she is grown up internalizing a lot of negative messages about her own energy, her sensuality, her sexuality, who she is as a woman, her relationship to what I would call the dark feminine. And so this is all just to say that I really wonder about where she is in life right now. And if she, if the show were to end tomorrow and then she goes back to being, you know, mm. Mrs. Joey Gorga, what's that going to be like for her? Is that going to be fulfilling for her? Is the show even that fulfilling for her? But is it more fulfilling than not having the show? These are sort of threads that I sort of wonder about with her. And so then she's sitting there looking at Teresa and Jen. It's like, you know, one, just these two women who have such freedom to say whatever they want to say, be who they want to be. They get away with everything. They can do the worst fucking shit and they get away with it. Melissa has had to modulate and watch and control and comport Everything sort of feels like it becomes a prison. She's so self-conscious of how she acts, how she comes off. And so, yeah, this was the original point. Going back to Teresa, it's like I do and say all the right fucking things. And still, you won't give me the benefit of the doubt. You won't give me the smallest grace. You won't see me as like a worthwhile, fundamentally good person who deserves some fundamental level of respect. And I think... In the place where Melissa has some deeper relationship to that kind of energy dynamic, I just think it I think it kills her. I think it and kills I, her. Yeah. I think that that's why it broke my heart watching both of them when Teresa was like giving them the ultimatums. Like, if you don't tell Margaret, you know, X, Y, and Z, you're not gonna have a relationship with me. And watching how <clears throat> Melissa like jumped over to Teresa as soon as she came into that last dinner in Nashville. Like she, you know, they were talking about what happened the night before with the the table flipping and everything. And as soon as she saw Teresa come in, she had to walk over. And I noted how she, I would have been so uncomfortable. I wouldn't have been able to say anything even remotely like polite, but she was able to be like, look at you, Teresa looking good. And I was like, wow, she's so practiced Mm -hmm. at that, at like shutting off what's going on over here, which is something horrible. And then as she's talking to tree, Marge walks by and Teresa says something like I should throw I should have thrown wine on that outfit and Melissa manages to just say something like I thought we were gonna play nice no and how she just has to manage and maintain Mm -hmm. this person and then of course at the actual dinner where Teresa's (laughs) Teresa's telling Melissa like Melissa tell Margaret not (laughs) to say that and Melissa's like I don't what do you want me to do that is almost why I just want Melissa and Joe to just be like, Teresa, fuck you. Go fuck yourself. You are you don't have our back. We're not going to have yours anymore. Like if this is how you're going to be playing it. Teresa at this point is so on the Louis train and is all up in his family and is and I, I love that for her. Enjoy it. I just feel bad because they keep trying to get something from her and 
she doesn't want to give it to them if they don't do it exactly how she demands of them. I think this really is where the show just throws a wrench in everything because, um, yeah, like what stops them from just saying, fuck you? Like there will be no role for them on the show, right? If there's just a split between them. And I do kind of feel like Teresa not having Melissa as a bridesmaid, that there was a fuck you around. You guys did not have my back this season against Margaret, which again, to me, really does feel like it comes back to the sense of Teresa of there was something so precious and vulnerable to me on the line. It's like, you know, Teresa could never say this. Like, I wanted you guys there in my corner and you weren't. I think to Teresa... Not that I'm defending, again, the way that she processes it and the, the, where she goes with it, but I think she experienced it. I think she genuinely experienced it as a deep betrayal. And I think she's someone who just cannot and won't speak to like the tender vulnerability that I feel about how, where that took her to see Margaret jeopardizing this thing that matters so much to her in the interest of like, yeah, again, emotional intelligence, right? And how we navigate our lives. I think if there had ever been a moment where Teresa could have gone to Joe and Melissa in vulnerability and said, this relationship means the world to me. I am so fucking scared. This is going to put him away. Like, help me. I'm sure they would have helped her. I agree. And I think I said that almost verbatim on my podcast once because I was talking about that Nashville dinner. And I was like, you know, if could Teresa ever just turn to Margaret and say, look, I've got this relationship with this guy and blah, blah, blah. And then I stopped myself and was like, but could she ever communicate like that? That's the problem. And it's no. Then she communicates in a different way and then it brings out a fight. And so we end up kind of spinning in circles and she says something insulting that really offends me because of course, when she starts with the body shaming stuff that that triggers me and my feathers get ruffled and I have to like dust myself off because when she says the like Margaret always eats, I'm like, now nah, then you got to go there, Teresa. Mm-hmm. All right. And it, and look, Marge isn't, isn't innocent. She said many disgusting things about many, many people. Like when she made fun <laughs> of Jen's Lips, what did she say? Looks like a monkey's asshole. And she's made plenty of gross comments. It's just in that moment when Teresa does stuff like that, it makes me upset. So like I I run out of compassion for Teresa because then she opens her mouth the way she does. So like if you take Teresa on ultimate girls trip who can communicate with people, like the way she was talking to Ramona of all people (laughs) when she was showing Ramona the cards that Louie gave her. It was like, oh, this actually is tender and sweet because because she's dealing with someone who she doesn't feel is coming after her right marge opened the season with Teresa, letting her know like i'm talking about everything on camera and yeah and i mean as we talked about before i do think there was an edge of vengefulness in it you know again i just heard this voice it's like oh you're not <laughs> you're going through it this time like you don't get yeah. spared you're not but you're maybe above a lot of things you're not above this we're doing this like I'm, I'm again it was a ridiculous obnoxious thing to say but i'm not disagreeing with louie when he says she wants to be sitting in your chair yeah 100 percent. that's ex- i mean that wasn't incorrect that no it was, was not incorrect at all it was not, not incorrect why can't Teresa basically let in any opposing information like what is this in her that's so stubborn and bullheaded, like to the point of just mass destruction. And I do have kind of an experience in my body around Teresa and what happened. I'm going to try to put language to it because it has to do with this experience of vulnerability. It's 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 like for me as Teresa, when she's outraged, right? Let me just take a moment. 
<laughs> I love I'm, this. I'm trying to think of like how to articulate this, right? Because it's it's what I the way that I experienced Teresa in those moments, it's like like I'm slapping my hands together. It's like I'm shutting something down. I'm shutting it down. And I feel like it's like when I think about Teresa and I think about this again, this relationship to this what I experience is this deep vulnerability and this very tender place in her. And then I feel this place in her that doesn't feel like she deserves tender love from a man like that it really feels like like you can't see me at home but like I'm cringing like I like it's like the bottom's gonna fall again as Teresa I get so scared like if I open myself up to this something's gonna come in and smack me down and I just think about the culture she grew up in I've talked about this before I think about the fact that she grew up in a truly old school Italian home where she was a first-generation American. She was literally not allowed to go to college because she was a woman, which, again, I just feel like that cannot be stressed enough. It says so much about the culture that she was raised in, the environment she was raised in. And I think about Nono, you know? And I know everyone loves Nono. Like, yeah, he was sweet and charming, but I think about the way that he would yell. You know, I think about that christening, the way he screamed at Joe. And he had that kind of energy of like shutting people down and I just get this feeling for Teresa especially if we kind of go with this idea that this is <laughs> again being kind she's not the most cerebral woman she's maybe not the most she's not in her head like she is a woman of feelings and emotions and currents of energy and I just get this feeling if like you're this girl who has this connection to her heart and there is this sort of vulnerable place in you and something's coming in that slams you down around it, right? And there's no room for you to have feelings about it, to speak up. I I can just feel the flavor of shame, hurt, heartbreak, a sense of worthlessness. Like I'm not allowed to have feelings and that, that, that equivalency of these feelings, they're equivalent to my powerlessness. They're equivalent to like a sense of humiliation, And so it's almost like bringing this back up to speed to present day life. It's like what I get off Teresa is there was no room for nuanced feelings. There was no room for it. It feels to me like their experience of childhood was like either or all or nothing. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. So it's almost like what I feel like if Teresa, from the child's point of view, even as an adult, if I open space up enough to like make room for something else coming in. I don't have a learned experience of, oh, this is going to be held with compassion and respect for all the nuances. My energetic experience is something's going to come shut me down, wipe me out and humiliate me. And I got to protect this at all costs. So yeah, kind of the way that I was shut down, I'm shutting things down. And it really feels, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because she's so black or white. That's how I feel to my body. It's a black or white, on or off. That's it. No fucking way am I opening up room for something more. So she won't. I think that that really just nailed it. Because I always think about how Dolores and Teresa grew up in the same area. Patterson. And I Googled Patterson because they talk about it all the time. They're like, I'm from Patterson. Don't you re- don't you remember? And it's a bad area, a lot of crime. 
and Dolores was getting in fights all the time. And so it's a it's when you when you grow up in an area like that, it teaches you a very specific way of living. And it's sort of like you just said, it's it's a little bit more simple, like you fight or you don't fight. That's just to, just to dumb it down. I, I can't imagine growing up and getting in fights all the time. But that was Dolores. Dolores even tried to relate to Teresa and say, we can't do what we used to do. We right. can't be those people that just you can't go there. And when she tried to talk to Teresa and tried to be like, so, you know, when I had that fight with Jackie, I had to walk away because I knew I was about to do something. Teresa was listening and then she goes, right. But if somebody upsets me, I'm going to go there. And it was just like, like you said, it's like, no, it's all or nothing. There's no nuance like mm -hmm. you just explained which was what Dolores was trying to do like hey let me put a nuanced spin on feelings and thoughts and and ways of thinking things through Teresa was just very simple about it she's like okay that's a great story but if somebody <laughs> tells me if somebody says something about my boyfriend I'm gonna do that and so that has always been I've always been a lot meaner about Teresa and just like she to me seems like someone who's just got a low level of intelligence, almost to the point of a handicap. Yeah, no, I know. And it's like because there was a, I was listening to this podcast about this con artist who who purposely went after people who had low intelligence because it was easier to manipulate them. And this lawyer figured out that that's what they were doing because like he took on a pro bono case of this person who was like, no, no, like if I tested their IQ, it was like very low and they should not be making these financial decisions. And it's almost like Teresa has that level of like, you shouldn't really even be making these types of decisions. I know that's so insulting. No, no. I was thinking about this before the podcast too, because I'm someone, and I feel like this is going to sound self-righteous and I don't mean it to, it's just genuinely true. I've like, I've never felt comfortable ever using the word dumb or stupid to describe someone because I, I really do just feel like they're different types of intelligence. And I was just thinking about Teresa <laughs> and you know, Teresa. Yeah. I mean, obviously she's not what I would call book smart. Like she's someone, you know, it's like there are times where I kind of hold her in a certain way. And I'm like, is there, you know, there's something a little almost underdeveloped here, you know, you might yeah. say, but it's interesting that you were feeling your compassion for Teresa. Cause I actually started feeling my compassion for Margaret in a certain type of way where, you know, you were talking about, you know, how um, in some ways Dolores was trying to bring in nuance. And even though I think Margaret's very much full of shit, like I was just really thinking about how Margaret's trying to have a certain type of conversation with Teresa that Teresa's just not capable of having. And it was the first time that I could feel for Margaret in the place where I don't think Margaret, much like Melissa, is aware of how shitty she can be. Like I think Margaret probably mostly believes in her own good intentions. And Margaret's obviously smart and she's obviously emotionally intelligent. And I think she's trying to hold space for a deeper conversation with Teresa. And she's kind of the <laughs> one saying, like, I'm willing to be in the trenches with you. I'm willing totally. for us to be in our humanity. And I suddenly felt for her how, yeah, just how hurtful uh, it, it might be that Teresa's not willing to go there with her and that Margaret takes that personally like she sees it as a reflection of her own worthiness not quite getting that Teresa just can't 
let herself go there. And then I was also feeling for Teresa too, kind of like what we're talking about in the place where she's not maybe intellectually, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know how to like languages without coming off completely like patronizing. You know, maybe she's not the most cerebral intellectual person. But what I do think Teresa has is like she's there's something like wild about her. She's feelings, she's emotions, including her love, by the way, and that vulnerability I'm talking about and feeling for her what it must be like to have all these feelings and currents of energy that want to move through her that don't necessarily have permission or she doesn't have the sense of safety to let it all run and move through her. Because as we all know, I mean, Teresa can be so charming, you know? So imagine if like there were space and permission for all of her feelings and she didn't have all that built up residual rage around what's not expressed. She could just be free to be this like heart-based, live large, fight hard, forgive hard, wife and mother who maybe sometimes stumbles into success as like a cookbook author too. You know what I mean? She could have all these different parts of herself, but it's like there's something that got shut down in the flow, you know? And in that place, it's like she won't tolerate anything that feels like it's coming in to take something from her or to humiliate her or to embarrass her. It, it feels like that fight, you know, it's like, it's kill or be killed. I'm not letting anything in, especially with you, Margaret, like someone who I perceive doesn't have my best interest. You want me to create space in there? No fucking way. Well, especially with Margaret too, because she knows what she did with Margaret. She knows that that hair pull happened. <laughs> she knows she's got revenge coming her way, so she's not going to trust for a second that Marge is pulling the, I've got good intentions crap on her. She's like, no, you don't, okay? I know I've got this coming my way, and I'm not going to be caught slipping, all right? Not for one second. And she didn't. She didn't get caught slipping for one second. That moment where she got called out for the hair pull, and she just goes to the porch and sits on that chair... <laughs> I love that moment because, you know, Teresa, obviously her MO is just to totally disown anything and everything. But even she she knew in that moment, even she, she couldn't get out of that. And just seeing her that had that flavor of LVP and Ken just smoking on that balcony in Puerto Rico. <laughs> just those moments where the women know like the jig is up and they're just in a corner that they can't escape. It's like uh-huh. those are the moments. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe kind of like as a final note, you just got me thinking about, again, as someone who works with people, you know, I was talking about like, oh, with Louie, I would want to support him to to explore his rage and his violence with consciousness and intention. It just got me thinking about like, what do you do with a woman like Teresa? Because, oh, that's what I was thinking about. Like, wouldn't it be great just to get freaking Margaret, Melissa, Jen, Teresa in like a five day workshop where we support them to go into all their energy and own their negative intentions and find out more about themselves and what they have in common. But then I was thinking, but like, then there would be Teresa, which this is how we started the podcast, right? Like, you know, and I, and I've, my training is specifically around group facilitation. So I've been in so many groups and I've facilitated groups. So I know what it's like when there is someone, I mean, it's, oh my God, it's like, one of the hardest things to navigate when someone's just a roadblock that just stops the group energy from flowing. 
you know, so I was just sort of thinking like, what would you do with Teresa? How would you handle her? And I do just keep getting this image though. I just wonder if there could be a way just to support her to just totally drop words, like drop logic, drop reason. And again, my training's in a somatic form of therapy. So it's like, and just get her into the body, get her into the feelings, the sounds, and just let it rip and just see. Oh my God, like, I just got chills. I would love that. I don't even know what that looks like. She's so resistant to it. I know it's it's a weird mix, right? Because there's a rigidity to her where everything looks perfect, you know, perfect makeup, perfect clothes, perfect hair. The home's always clean. Like she's got that rigidity, but then there's something so wild that wants to yes. move through her. So it's almost like with her letting her, I don't know, like get triggered by Margaret or whatever, but then yeah, just going into the full body tantrum, you know, that, that doesn't have to make sense. But letting her just have that energy, it's almost like what's coming up to me as I say this intuitively. I mean, maybe this is stating the obvious, but it's almost like that some of this energy that came in, this opposing force that stopped her, may have come in really young, like toddler young, maybe even like barely verbal young. Because it feels like that to me. It almost feels like a tantrum that a toddler wants to throw. I could see that. I mean, Teresa feels to me like someone who is so suppressing any sort of access to that that she almost would be confused at even the thought of bringing that up she'd be like what but then she does such a bad job of suppressing it exactly so it's like like to act i can't even imagine what it would be like to access it so the thought of it being something that was so early on in life as the roadblock makes sense yeah there's something about that that suddenly yeah feels right to me because it's like that far back. Yeah, that that actually makes more sense because it's that subconscious and inaccessible to her. And then you start layering all the other stuff on top of it of what it was like to grow up, for example, like a girl in that household. What it was like to grow up in Patterson where people are fighting. You know, it's like you layer all of it on top. It just kind of accumulates. Because, you know, the last thing I'll say too, and she's the oldest, right? She's older than Joe? Yeah. That's interesting because, you know, I think it's also interesting that Joe, who has some of that same like he's a very energized guy with, you know, currents of energy that move through him. But obviously he has more of a capacity to take the I mean, as bullheaded and as like old school machismo as he could be, he still has the capacity to take things in on a certain level. Yep. So I don't know. That's just interesting to me. I wonder what it was like for Teresa to be an only child as a toddler in that household. With what? I'd be curious, like, what was going on when she was born? Right. Because was she born here? No. I don't know. They moved. I think she was born in Italy. I don't no, even I know why they in. moved here. I agree because they loved Italy so much. Remember when they remember when they did the big Italy trip? Mm hmm. And they went to the small town that they're from and they just love where they're from. And I can't remember if she said they moved. You know what? I don't remember. And now I need to know that because that would make a big difference. But Mm -hmm. it was just that old school. That's why I'm always bringing it up because I I feel like it gets lost in the shuffle that she's first generation American. That's a big deal. 
about someone's lived experience to be a first generation American. I mean, remember they were making like in I think it's season one or two, but they're making the sauce. And if you're if the woman's on their period, they can't make the sauce because they think that it's got bad energy for the tomato sauce. Like that is how old school we're talking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're talking old school. We're talking like archaic. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, Teresa said, I mean, she never went to therapy before any of that stuff with Joe happened. I mean, she had that, it is black or white, you know, like you don't, you don't do this stuff. And again, I just feel that kind of relationship to like humiliation, powerless, like no way. We don't, we don't do that. We don't indulge those tears. We don't, it's like kill or be killed. Yeah. And there's pride around that. It's interesting how she did so well in prison. Like she just kind of, she did her time. Like she just, she, she dissociated, I think. Well, and I, you know, that's what I was saying. Like when I was kind of feeling into her issues with Jackie, whatever season that was where she spread those rumors, a lot of it felt like to me kind of like her coming out the other side of that. And she had been such a trooper. And so strong and kind of this feeling of like shell shock. But then I also started feeling like not just shell shock from what she went through, you know, with prison, but also everything we're talking about now, the shell shock of a woman who grew up learning you have to just soldier through. The reason I related this to Jackie was I was kind of looking at Jackie like, you know, Jackie lets herself be you know, she lets herself be vulnerable. Let's just say Jackie, I'm not talking about this season. This was before the season. So I'm not talking about the eating disorder stuff, but there's a way in which Jackie, I think doesn't mind positioning herself as a victim. And so, you know, as Teresa, I was sort of looking at Jackie, she's got like the hot husband, the family that's still together, the privileged life, and she's weak. I'm out there like the strong soldier, fucking PTSD, can't stand that woman. So I kind of, I kind of went on a a, a little digression there, but I'm agreeing with you that because you talked about disassociation. I agree with you. I think there's something that it's like, there's an armor she's put on. I use this metaphor sometimes. It's like the dog that runs through the, 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 the invisible fence and it runs so fast it gets through the fence. But then on the other side, it's suddenly like wobbly. It's like, holy shit. Oh yeah. There's reverberations here that I'm not dealing with. Oh, that's a good one. Feel free to use it. I will. <laughs> All right, Emily. Uh, you've been such a good sport. Um, I loved it, it. Is there any final thoughts? Anything that needs to be brought in? Anything? Justice for Jen. Oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> this is a Justice for Jen podcast. That is it. Justice for Jen. What I want to say. If you're so inclined, you should listen to my Jen episode. I had a whole Justice for Jen episode. I will actually because I need to. I need more people to say it. Need, oh my god! I need a good. I need to hear a good amount of it because I feel so bad for her after that. I've been saying it since her first season. <laughs> I have, I have. People thought I was crazy. I was like, I love Jen. Well, thank you so much for being here. Tell everyone, yeah, where they should find you and listen to you. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I very much feel honored to be a guest on your podcast. You can find me on Instagram and on TikTok at She Speaks Bravo. And my podcast is She Speaks Bravo with Emily Hanks on all major platforms. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely plug, well, I'll plug both your podcasts and your IG account, but I'll definitely plug your IG account. You put together these compelling, interesting, engaging slideshows where you, you know, you do clips and you offer your thoughts and 
you know, you always have a critical take on things. And uh, oh, thank so you. definitely, yeah, go follow her and see what's up. And as always, you can follow me at Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N for all sorts of content on IG and go to my website, hollywoodreadings.com if you are interested in my work. And that's all for now. We got we got through it. We got through the immovable the unmovable object of Teresa Judice. <laughs> all right. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye.